Welcome to our podcast from the ARC Insider. I'm Karen Allen, and I'll be indulging in some informal Africa-focused conversation with Tara O'Connor, the Managing Director of ARC, the Pan-African Risk Consultancy firm, Africa Risk Consulting. What we are hoping to do is to offer insightful, inspired and thought-provoking exchanges about the African continent by those who live, work and breathe African affairs. In the coming weeks, we'll be inviting a series of guests to join us for virtual fireside chats to mull over the topics trending on the continent. At the moment, perhaps it's no surprise, we're devoting our coverage to focusing on the COVID-19 pandemic. And later in this podcast, we'll be chatting with Emma Wade-Smith, the UK's Trade Commissioner for Africa, and how this is impacting on the relationship. First of all, though, Tara, good to talk to you again. Hello, Karen. Very good to chat to you too. I don't know what the sense is where you're speaking to me from London, but there is a real feeling here now in South Africa of just how long will this go on? There's definitely a sense in many parts of the world that people are getting restless, they're eager to return to work. Are the streets getting any busier where you are, Tara? The streets are busy with uh, cars, people buzzing about again, but also I've noticed uh, building work starting up in the neighbourhood again. And I'm not sure how that fits with current government guidelines. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a lot of ambiguity. We're in lockdown four in South Africa, um, which is supposed to be slightly less punitive than lockdown five. Um, But apart from being able to get out to get some exercise between six and nine in the morning, um, with a handful of shops and more trading going on, uh, the big battle here is over cigarettes. Many people still very angry about the cigarette ban. Uh, There's constitutional challenges that are being threatened, but also really quite staggeringly worrying pictures of huge queues of people in their thousands in some of the informal settlements queuing up for food. Um, I've seen some extraordinary drone pictures. So, you know, when you see that, this um, sense of agitation, annoyance, um, fear about how long the lockdown will go on for and its economic implications, it feels very real. It definitely does. And that's the thing that has particularly struck me at the moment is the actual what I would call a global how the global economic heart attack has now reached the African continent. During the week, I spoke to Tapelo Cheole, who is the head of the Botswana Stock Exchange. And he put it very succinctly. uh, And that was for the Business to close for a month has never happened before in Botswana's history. And he expected that to translate into a 13% contraction to the economy. What he was saying was that there are two key things, that the government relies on diamond sales and tourists. And as there are no tourists and no diamond sales, uh, and only 23 cases and one death so far, uh, the full lockdown in Botswana seems a bit incongruous. Perhaps I think another phase might be reorganising the response to isolate and treat uh, seems to be more logical. Tara, let's remind ourselves further about how the fallout from COVID-19 continues to dominate the news. Here, doctors will trial treating critically ill patients with blood plasma from COVID-19 survivors. The number of people killed worldwide in the coronavirus pandemic has now passed 250,000. And fresh data shows that the UK has now become Europe's latest epicentre. It's election time in Burundi. 
The country is still suffering from the crisis caused by the last one five years ago. Campaigns have begun ahead of next month's vote for the president and members of parliament amid a coronavirus outbreak. There's no social distancing at this rally of the ruling party. The ban on booze and cigarette sales during the lockdown is already putting the squeeze on the fiscus. How long will it go on indeed? Well, as I said, my partner in crime and co-presenter of the ARK Insider is Tara O'Connor in London. She's the managing director of ARK, Africa Risk Consulting, which keeps a keen eye on developments in this region. Tara, rifling through the past week's news stories, I was particularly struck by one we briefly alluded to in the news belt there. Burundi, although there's still only a handful of cases, the government there has announced it plans to press ahead with presidential elections, which are scheduled for May. Now, President Nkuruziza isn't standing, but nevertheless, there is a big issue of trust still within the country. Big refugee population, many people still displaced from the last round of troubles and independent observers are being banned from inspecting quarantine facilities. Add to that the prospect of an election. It feels really, really quite unsettling. Yes. And another thing that we've seen is quite a lot of anti-Europe sentiment since the first outbreak, Uh, and particularly in places like Senegal, where it was um, hailed as a European disease rather than a Chinese one. Um, Similarly, you know, it's uh, in Nigeria. It was an Italian who brought the virus to Nigeria and a Belgian national bringing the virus to Kinshasa. So we've seen quite a lot of... uh, Um, xenophobic uh, sentiment rising. We've also seen a lot of suspicions, old myths and suspicions of Western companies using Africa to test vaccines to the extent that uh, Uhuru Kenyatta publicly dismissed any plans of, say, British researchers uh, using, you know, coming to Kenya to test a vaccine. Any more on the IMF? Yes, I was particularly. I've been particularly impressed by the speed at which, with which the IMF is actually granting debt relief and providing budget support right across the continent. And this week, the IMF board approved a massive 3.4 billion in emergency aid to Nigeria. But that also then raises questions about the broader state of Africa's indebtedness, and, and in particular to China, and whether China will agree any debt concessions. You're listening to The Ark Insider with me, Karen Allen, in Johannesburg and Tara O'Connor in London. Today, our podcast focuses on how the world is responding to the coronavirus pandemic and what it means for British African trade. Well, with us is Emma Wade-Smith, the UK Trade Commissioner for Africa. Emma, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're adhering to the social distancing rules. Both of us have been thoroughly hand sanitised before starting this recording. So I just wanted to get that protocol observed. It's great to be with you. You've had a really meteoric rise, Emma, since we first met, what was it, a decade ago here in South Africa. It was the run-up to the World Cup. But since then, you've picked up an OBE for leading the crisis response team. You've worked across Latin America, the US and Europe, and you've been posted to the UN. And you now represent British trade interests across Africa right in the middle of Brexit. I don't know whether to congratulate you or commiserate you, but you've also known Tara for many years. I have indeed. I mean, it's wonderful to be here with both of you, actually. It sort of feels like the the posse getting back together again. 
Yes, indeed. I mean, it seems it does seem like a whole era ago that we were in Joburg, the three of us, um, having dinner and discussing Brexit. It is extraordinary, isn't it? Like, when was the last time anybody mentioned Brexit? Yeah. Uh, suddenly, you know, something this um, COVID virus has, has kind of taken over uh, our entire lives. And you know, Brexit is still very much um, happening. Um, but, uh, but, you know, obviously, uh, thinking about the coronavirus and the impact is uh, uh, just extraordinary how much our world has changed. Before we dwell more on, on the trade issue, given the COVID-19 pandemic with foreign, with foreign nationals literally stranded all around the world, um, it must be a massive task to ensure planes are chartered, uh, people are able to get home. You were leading the crisis response team in the past. I know it's not your job now. Do embassies rehearse for events like this? They absolutely do. And when I headed up the crisis team uh, in the Foreign Office uh, a decade or so ago, um, you know, it was my job as well to travel around the world, um, as I did to, here in South Africa, to, to help teams think about how they prepare for uh, for any eventuality. But it's amazing you know, how um, how sort of uh, repetitive you can um, you can make those conversations, whether it's to do with um, transport accidents or natural disasters um, or sort of civil unrest. Um, but I have to say back in the day when I was when I was doing it, um, we had the volcanic ash cloud. And as much as we had rehearsed all the different scenarios, including civil contingency scenarios for the UK, nobody had ever quite thought that one through in terms of you know, a, a volcano in Iceland might close British airspace. And so I remember being in the crisis centre uh, and watching this all unfold and thinking, um, well, I'm not sure that has anything to do with us, does it? You know, this isn't, this isn't what we've kind of planned for. And I think COVID virus, uh, COVID-19 is, is a little bit like that as well. Well, um, uh, obviously, there has been a lot of preparation uh, around the idea of pandemics and the World Health Organization has done a lot of work on that. Um, but I think sometimes it just it takes an extraordinary moment to really enable the world to fully grasp what a new phenomenon could actually mean. And I think um, you know, the world will never be the same again in terms of the way we prepare for, uh, for medical incidents globally. Have you been pulled in at all this time round without prying too much, but have you found yourself sort of roped in? Um, very much um, and certainly not against my will either. Um, it was nice to sort of dust off those crisis response muscles um, and get back into it. Well, look, Emma, moving on to trade, the year really started with a bang, didn't it? With so much promise with the UK-Africa Trade Summit in January, um, trumpeted loudly at that event was a pledge to commit an extra £397 million to boosting UK-Africa trade. That was an additional sum, I think, to existing amounts. Given the heavy toll on economies around the world since the pandemic, is that pledge now in jeopardy? No, it's not. I mean, quite quite the contrary, actually. And, and one of the key elements of the UK government's thinking uh, is indeed around how do we maintain um, you know, global trade? How do we keep supply chains open? Uh, and particularly, what, what can we do to support the most vulnerable countries, the most vulnerable economies in the world? Um, and sadly, you know, quite a few of those we find in Africa. Um, and so you know, we're looking across the board at all of that economic development programming that 
we've uh, been pumping out into Africa for many years um, and how we can refocus and target those programs now to be the, have the most impactful effect. So that's really exciting, I think, um, just seeing how much, how much we have at our disposal to repurpose um, as we need to. But a lot of that was already looking at the sorts of things that, that we're finding exacerbated by this crisis. So, for example, you take a program like Trademark East Africa, uh, which over the last five years or so has really helped to reduce the time uh, and cost of moving goods across the East African community. Uh, so looking at how do we use that program over the weeks, months and years ahead to to if you like, fast track even more uh, the ability to use, you know, those single windows at border crossings, how do you make that um, as efficient as possible? Do you see examples, Emma, of... Um of British firms stepping up to the plate in terms of the COVID response here? It's been great, actually. I mean, we are we are in very regular contact with UK companies who are active across Africa. I feel that that's our sort of key responsibility, really, to understand how this uh, unprecedented situation is affecting UK businesses, both investors and exporters, and indeed British importers of African goods. Uh, so really trying to, to follow um, what's happening in terms of trade restrictions being introduced and trying to, to address uh, the effect of that to keep, uh, keep um, goods moving. Um, but we're seeing you know, a number of things. I think overwhelmingly the response from UK companies is we're here in Africa because you know, we're, we're usually long-term investors here. Um, we, we, we want to do the right thing by bringing business to Africa, working in partnership with African companies, um, and they want to stay. Uh, They're not scrambling for the exit? They are definitely not scrambling for the exit. You know, we're in regular contact and saying, um, you know, what is what is happening? You know, what are your intentions? And absolutely categorically, you know, the intention currently is to stay um, and to keep as many jobs going as possible. You know, it's, it's incredibly difficult, as we know, for businesses, um, but to do whatever they can to maintain those jobs um, that they they um, sustain across the continent. Um, and in fact, you know, looking at how they can be part of that response to the to the to the situation. So, for example, you know, companies adapting their manufacturing capability to produce, uh, instead of alcohol, sadly, um, hand sanitizers, so which is Diageo, great. you're talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about Diageo. So in Kenya, for example, where they operate as East African breweries, um, uh, creating you know, thousands of litres of hand sanitizer and distributing that. We're looking at companies like Unilever who are donating uh, enormous quantities of, of product uh, to support the personal hygiene factors. Um, that underpin the, the sort of the individual response to COVID-19. Uh, we're seeing tech companies like Vodacom, Vodafone, um, providing uh, their services at, uh, at a reduced cost to allow more people to access them because we've all become so much more dependent on data, of course, to enable us to carry on life as best we can. I mean, I've lived in Kenya for many years. And the thing that is probably really striking is how those interconnections are now really being threatened. So, you know, you go to a shop like Waitrose in the UK and, and a lot of your vegetables and your, 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 your flowers and, uh, and so forth will have originated from Kenya. I mean, they must take, be taking a massive hit, that industry, agriculture generally, not just in Kenya, but, but more broadly. Yeah, across the continent, it is really troubling. I mean, we're seeing it, um, you know, this isn't just an African phenomenon, of course, but the way it plays out in Africa is, is really hitting hard. And, and it's, 
it's not just the the reduced demand where we've seen you know, the hospitality sectors um, sort of shut down, um, which inevitably reduces demand for those kind of fresh produce. Um, it's also the commercial flights where um, often they are packed full in their bellies with uh, you know fresh vegetables, tea, uh, flowers, and and fruit and so on from different parts of the continent to to get to the UK supermarkets in super quick time for for UK consumers. And so it is. It's really tough, um, and you know we're we're hearing uh, stories all over the world of uh, produce just being destroyed rather than being consumed. Tara, do you want to come in? You know, one of the things that I've been completely impressed by has been the speed at which the IMF and the World Bank and the African Development Bank have actually kicked off their countercyclical responses. And I mean, this week we saw Nigeria getting 3.4 billion in in relief, and I know that um, British uh, finance development finance institutions, CDC, etc., are us. You know, I mean, again, my question really is 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 I'm sure they are stepping up to the plate, but what sort of things are they up to? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tara. Um, and CDC is a great example of that. Um, so they are also looking at what their counter-cyclical response is uh, and ensuring that those companies that they are already invested in and with um, can sustain themselves through whatever period of time we've got um, for this response and recovery phase. Um, and we're looking to see what more we can do. Um, you'll remember when Theresa May, as the UK's Prime Minister, was in South Africa and she announced you know, an additional uh, sort of capitalization for CDC to really push this investment drive for the UK into Africa. Um, so really looking for them to see you know, how they can how they can really sort of maximize the the impact of that to keep keep investments going um, and then to really drive new investment. Um, and it's you know look this this is possibly uh, you know, one of the most difficult circumstances for companies in way more than a generation. Um, and so we're looking at all the different angles that we can, uh, impact and, and, um, a sort of lever, uh, in whatever way we can. So for example, you know, some, quite a lot of the, the DFID, um, money is, is working directly with the World Bank Group, with the IMF, with other development finance institutions to support those kinds of programs. Um, and uh, we saw the African Development Bank, their $3 billion social bond, for example, kind of listing on the London Stock Exchange. And I see the City of London as a real opportunity to, uh, to bring fresh liquidity into the continent where we're seeing that really drying up. Yes, I mean, and on the back of that, really, I mean, we've seen this week, unfortunately, and obviously that uh, the African Union has has postponed its uh, implementation of the Africa continental free trade area. You know, that is very much part of the bounce back. And I wondered if you had some thoughts about that. The consequence of COVID-19 and the impact it will have on our economies and the way businesses operate, I think makes progress for the African continental free trade area even more important for this continent and to enable Africa's businesses to export more within within the African continent and then globally as well. So um, you know, what we're doing as the UK government is, is 
you know, we have been strong supporters of the continental free trade area in Africa um, since it was first mooted. Um, um, and uh, we've been providing some support, including to the African Union, um, technical assistance, if you like. Any idea when you'll be allowed to travel again? Because it's fairly central if you're a trade commissioner that you're able to get on a plane. Yeah, look, I, I sort of miss it and I sort of don't. Um, you know, I spent quite a lot of my working life uh, on a plane going from one country to another. I think what I've discovered over the last six or seven weeks is I, I, I can still be incredibly busy um, and do things virtually. Mm. And I think that's been really um, uh, inspiring for my network. You know, we're, we're talking about doing virtual trade missions, talking about doing virtual um, roundtables with, with business, which of course our ministers in the UK are, are already doing a lot of. Um, but how can I do virtual visits as well? Um, so we're going to kickstart some of that in the coming days. Says a fortune on catering as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, just final question. We can't let you go, Emma, without asking this. During this whole COVID-19 pandemic, um, tragic and, and frightening as it is, are there any kind of human observations that you've picked up? It's been really interesting to me to, to realise how much our workspaces have been set up for extroverts. And, and therefore, there's, there's this really interesting discussion now going on about who's an introvert, who's an ambivert, who's an extrovert, and how are we all responding to being locked down in different, different ways? I have to ask you, which category would you put yourself in? <laughs> well, you know, the, as a classic diplomat, I'm going to sit right on the fence there. <laughs> you know, actually, so I started off life as um, very much an introvert. Um, when I first started um, in the civil service 25 years ago, um, doing a Myers-Briggs test, very highly introverted. And over the years, um, and, and in part being married to an off-the-charts extrovert, uh, I've managed to sort of move myself on that chart a little bit. So I, I now officially describe myself as an ambivert. <laughs> great. It's a great word. But you're right. I mean, how people have adapted is quite interesting. I totally agree. As one who absolutely loves being in lockdown, um, I, um, <laughs> I'm totally with you. But I do think it's already transforming, certainly in, say, the consulting world, where it's absolutely not necessary to have big, fa fancy offices and it just adds to cost. I think we're going to see some industries totally transformed by this. I agree. I agree. And technology is going to be so important. And the great thing is, from my perspective, is, you know, UK is, is chock-a-block full of companies that are using technology to, to revolutionise the way we, we operate. Um, so really looking forward to, to bringing that opportunity together uh, with the, the demand and the need in Africa. Here, here. Emma Waitsmith, thank you very much indeed. It's been great to have you on The Ark Insider. Pleasure. And fantastic, Emma. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us. It's been brilliant to have you on as one of our very early guests, and I hope you'll come back. Always. You know, I'm a huge supporter of um, entrepreneurship, so uh, you have my full support. Might be a slightly more fancy studio next time <laughs> rather than sitting oh, on I my hope patio. Not. <laughs> this is lovely. <laughs> You've been listening to The Ark Insider with me, Karen Allen in Johannesburg, and Tara O'Connor in London. Thank you for joining us. If you're interested, Tara's team at ARC produces country reports and business briefings about the region, which you can sign up for at info at africarisconsulting.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do let us know at the same address. And do feel free to share it on social media and amongst friends. Bye for now. Bye.